pilot. Pilot? What's a pilot? Well, the way they pick TV shows is they make one show. That show's called a pilot. And they show that one show to the people who pick shows. And on the strength of that one show, they decide if they want to make more shows. Some get chosen and become television programs. Some don't. Become nothing. She started one of the ones that became nothing. Well, we've done it, Keith. We, we've gotten to the end uh, of the 90s sitcoms that we are going to be discussing for the time being. Uh, you know, we, we we're doing these sort of like in either spurts of four or eight, right? We're doing these like kind of like in chunks of months at a time. So, you know, we, as much as we do love this genre, we do have to move on. You know, we can't, we can't just stay in 90 sitcoms for the entirety of this. We'd uh, be this talking podcast. about 90 sitcoms for about a year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at least. Uh, but you know, as, as much as we, try to I think talk about I think the ones that make the most sense right um, like the pillars of the genre and you know, trying to diversify uh, you know different um, different kinds of premises and so, and so forth you know I think we do want to touch on the ones that we haven't covered and maybe you know, maybe reveal about what we'd be saving them for so for example uh, I think one of the biggest ones that we did not get to is Frasier right and Frasier was, you know, for example, Frasier won pretty much like all the Emmys throughout the 90s when it was airing. It, it like was killing it with the critics and it aired for like 12, 13 seasons. But uh, we thought we might save that one for uh, a series on spinoffs because it is a spinoff of Cheers. And, you know, when you think of spinoffs, I think Frasier is one of the first shows that comes to mind. I would say so. Right. So like, we'll yeah. we'll do that one. Um, and then, yeah, we didn't get to, um, yeah, I think you mentioned mad about you. I think when we revisit 90 sitcoms, that might be one of the first ones that we discuss. Oh God, we can go like, like just shoot me news radio. There are a lot of mm -hmm. like minor cult successes that people still talk about. And like the stars are still like, that's how we know those stars, those actors from mm -hmm. another, another one that you could say the same thing about that 70s show, uh, which I didn't know that started in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did. Sorry. The later nineties. Right. Yeah. Uh, but still the pilot is uh, a nineties pilot. Uh, but you know, it, the thing about that, which I was considering putting in this series was the fact that, yeah, it aired on Fox. And so far we've only really been discussing shows that aired on the big three, the original three, right. ABC, CBS and, and NBC. Uh, and, you know, 90s was the time where Fox was getting big. And, of course, you know, The Simpsons, we didn't discuss that either. But, you know, we we're going to probably say that for um, an animated series. Uh, but, you know, I, when we go on to um, an upcoming genre, not the very next one, but we, when we talk about 2000s sitcoms, Fox is definitely going to be coming up a couple of times. Ooh, I'm excited to see what you have planned for that. Yes, yes, uh, for sure. We have some really good ones. I think you know, just think about, you know, if you're a listener out there uh, and you, you know your TV history, think of a couple of, uh, you know, beloved sitcoms from the 2000s uh, that probably aired on Fox that were, you know, new in, the, in a newer format than the traditional live audience. A couple, you know, I think you could probably think of a couple. But I like the way you split up these uh, these. Uh, shows into categories and yeah we're definitely going to come back to 90s sitcoms they're not over it's just yeah we talked now, this is now our eighth sitcom that we're talking about i would yeah. like to move on to 
the next uh, section, if you will. But right. I'm very happy to be talking about this sitcom. Yeah, exactly. At the, at the end of this uh, recording, we're going to give you a hint of the next genre to come. But we still have one more sitcom we want to discuss. And uh, as hinted at last week, we were going to be discussing Will and Grace. So, uh, Keith, uh, tell me a little bit more about you know, the pilot history of Will and Grace. Well, to start off, like, you know, every most shows, you know, pilots are called pilot, but. You can also call this one love and marriage. And I, I, this isn't in any of our notes, but this hit me on the way back from work today. Like literally as I was driving, I'm like, huh, Will and Grace. Is that, does that name have like, okay, they're William and Grace, but like, oh, I have Will and Grace. Is that huh. like, that, I don't know. Maybe it just, it just worked well. But anyway, it's um, it worked Will. Worked Will. And it aired September 21st, 1998 to only 11.8 million viewers. Now, you might say that's pretty low. And it kind of is, even though— For the time. For the time. But I I always like looking up what day it uh, aired, and it was a Monday. Oh, okay. Hmm. It was a Monday. But I know that—I uh, have no—this was, like, my first real introduction to Will and Grace. I've, ne- I, I've heard about it. I've heard maybe what—my mom always liked the one where, like, Matt Damon guest starred— uh, obviously, they came back. I never really had a, a relationship with Will and Grace, but I know that it was like when it, it was popular. It won awards, yep. and uh, rightfully the, so. Rightfully so, as I, we will yeah. get into it. I but think the, it grew right from that number, and yes. I think it's the lowest pilot rating that we've seen of the eight that we've discussed so far. And you know, maybe you can chuck that up also that it's now the late 90s. Maybe there is some more fracturing of audiences. More cable networks have emerged. Also, though, you mentioned – I think it's actually wise you mentioned it was a Monday because it was competing against Monday Night Football probably intentionally so, right? Because this is a show that probably skewed very strong with female audiences or just very you know non-football audiences. So that might have been intentional. But I remember that – like it, they definitely moved it to Thursday. Like, I don't know what NBC Thursdays are like now, but even when I was in, when we were in college, NBC Thursdays it meant something. Damn it, there was some yeah. damn good it from the '90s to like even like the mid 2005 the mid 2010s. There was some damn good comedy uh, lineups, yeah. and I know Will and Grace earned their spot. I I think it was like the nine o'clock, ten o'clock, but. Uh, but any uh, to carry on, it was created by Max Max Muchnick and David Cohen, mm. and they kind of been friends forever. They met uh, they met at college too. Um, Max is uh, is gay, and David is straight. Basically, we could have created Will and Grace, JJ. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the show was inspired based on Max's uh, great friendship. With a, a casting agent, a voice acting casting agent with uh, named Janet Eisenberg, and okay. she is basically Grace. And uh, David was always like the third wheel, the mediator in the two. But that's where the idea um, uh, stem for the idea for Will and Grace stemmed from. They were tasked by NBC creating a show about young love because they wanted to find a slot. Uh, Mad About You was ending, and they needed something to take its space. 
So the original idea had three couples, and it was it was basically friends. It was it kind of sounds sounded, like it. It, yeah. it kind of sounded terrible, but the one I guess thing that set it apart is one was uh, one couple was a gay man and a straight woman living together, and Warren Littlefield, who was the uh, the executive at NBC, was like, I like that. Like, do a show about that because the other mm-hmm. stuff sounds like friends. Uh, I don't know if he said that exactly, but. I'm right. sure. I'm sure that was brought up in the room. Right. I like. I don't think we'll really know what those other two couples were developed as, but whatever they were, I know that there was very little interest in them. Now, the elephant in the room is there are gay characters on this show, mm-hmm. and it was during the late '90s, early 2000s, and yeah, uh, Americans were a little. I, I think I have a gay friend, that guy. Like, like it was very uh, uh, skeevy on seeing mm-hmm. homosexual relations, especially on TV. Like, if It was were, a risk for, for the network. Actors didn't come out. Like, like you know, get, like, I don't want to out old dead actors, but, you know, you read now about Hollywood actors now, and you're like, oh, Liberace was gay? Uh, right, right. <laughs> but, yeah, no, they were uh, – I, I, there's such a good lesson in here or there's so many good lessons, at least with Will and Grace, is that um, A, they were uh, Max and David. I'm calling them by their first names because I know because uh, we're friends now. But You're they good were chumps. Able, they were able to convince them based on the success. Uh, if Ironically, like even though Americans were skeevy, a good story is a good story. The Birdcage, My Best Friend's Wedding. They were able to say, look at that success. Give yeah. us a chance. Give us a chance. And... Uh, they decided like, oh, I want to find uh, the quote that, that David Cohen said, Will and Grace had a better shot at succeeding where Ellen failed. And uh, and Ellen at the time, Ellen had that famous episode in the 90s where she came out. And yes. that, it kind of, like as pivotal and historic as that moment on television was, the show I think got canceled in that season. It's very unfortunate that the ratings plummeted after the character had come out um, because I guess Americans at the time weren't really ready to watch a show about, you know, a a recently out of the closet woman uh, discovering what it means to live uh, a gay lifestyle. That's, and I think that's going to lead into what you're hinting at about what sets Will and Grace apart for maybe more success for audiences at that time. At that time. And I will like, maybe the sitcom format was the unique place to Maybe it was it the right or wrong place. Who knows? But it happened on a sitcom. And David Cohen said, Will and Grace had a better shot at succeeding where Ellen failed. However, because Will has known about his homosexuality for 20 years, he's not exploring that awkward territory for the first time as Ellen did. The process of self-discovery and the pain most gay men go through is fascinating, but the average American is put off by it. Yeah. And, and it kind of like, I would say that Will and Grace if it was a generic sitcom, I don't know if like it would have just it, it wouldn't have had done anything. But I would say that like at first on paper, like I ain't gonna watch that show. It's uh, that show's not me. And then I bet if someone that same person if they watch it by surprise, it's kind of funny. It's really well written. That pilot episode is so well written and i'll keep going like top marks top marks tar- top marks that like they they um our friend james burrows who's directed at least three of our pilots in this show right now like he did friends 
Like, yeah. I think he was like an NBC pilot. He, I don't think he was, he wasn't interested until he read the script and he's like, oh, this is the, like that pilot. We're doing this. Like, this is the way to do it. I think That's, from what I understand, like the script also sold uh, a few of the cast members, right? Who are maybe not 100% sold by just the premise. A good script and a good story will, can like really just, I'm, I'm doing air quotes, but like change the world. But like a show like this that uh, humanizes and like realistic, like, and we're, I mentioned before with like, I think with friends, but like, realistic enough situations like oh i know a i know a uh will i know a grace i know a jack i don't know I, we don't know karen karen is from another <laughs> karen right. is another like character of this uh, out of this world a different stratosphere but it it humanizes it and if like it's kind of like i i think when we were living together i said to you like what modern family did for gay couples in some way to see the dad from uh, just uh, not just shoot me. Uh, married with children. Uh, married with children to see like a generation above, kind of just like oh, they may have gay kids. Him come around to his gay son and his mm -hmm. relationship. I think Will and Grace. You know, I'm not giving. I'm not putting it so much on a pedestal, but it's just like this show pro did a, a lot. And I'm, I'm also yeah. you're. <laughs> I'm not out of you, but you're the gay man in this situation. I'm just. I'm. I'm not. I'm just very impressed with this pilot. But where do you where are you coming at it from? I, I I watching this. I really want to take the context into into mind. It's so important because yeah, I, I think Will. I like that character much better than the Jack character. I find, <clears throat> and we'll get into this as we discuss the episode. But I you know I find the Jack character to be uh, a very familiar trope of a flamboyant gay man that audiences were already familiar with, maybe from prior movies or what have you. Uh, whereas Will, I appreciate that he is not as flamboyant of a character, right? Like he's clearly gay, but in ways that are more subtle. And, you know, he's a little more masculine than so many, than, than gay men had been portrayed as up to that point. Because there was a thing where it's like, okay, we'll show gay characters, like up to this point, like in supporting roles, in almost like asexual lifestyles right like you're not going to really know the nitty-gritty and they're going to not be that masculine because that makes straight men uncomfortable that is like the perception right um so that's why i'm glad they made will like different from jack you see two kinds of gay men because there are flamboyant gay men obviously but that's not representative of the whole community the whole you know the, the so that I, I appreciate that, but I, I do still I get annoyed with the Jack character, at least in this first episode, because of what because of that sort of persona being such a crutch uh, and so, it's such like an overly used like excuse for representation up to that point. That's fair. I, I like. I think Sean Hayes is like a, a national treasure. Uh, I, he's but, talented. Like, like and he's I very talented. I understand where you're coming. He from, can though. be very funny. But at the same time, like, you know, it's it's so it could be so overdone. I get exhausted by the character at times. Is it coming off of like, like I mentioned the birdcage? It's just like, hey, give us uh, uh, Nathan Lane. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, area. And people like, love Nathan Lane, right? Like even you know before then, like like yeah. I, I love Nathan Lane. I think he's hilarious. And I think he's a gem. Uh, but you know, I think what he sort of um, coined 
is something that maybe some of these uh, studios, again, like kind of overly relied on. It's like, oh, okay, like he is a gay character that Americans are comfortable with now. You know, how how much do we want to push the boundary? And uh, yeah, like you said, Modern Family did that a little bit more too, right? Uh, because as over the top as the character Cam was, you know, you also learned that he was a star football player right yeah uh, i think li- little things like that and then i think we're now at a point where you can have uh you know gay men and gay women who like you know like you you might not know right away what their sexuality is right like that's what you want to see more that's what's more you know when you see more out in the in the real world so you know it's 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 like baby steps had to be taken and this was a show that was in the right direction and so that's why, like I said, I just take it into the context of what the show was able to do at the time, right? Like, I, I don't want to set, like, a high bar, you know, because, you know, it's it's tough. Americans were only ready for so much, unfortunately. It was a step in the right direction. and Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, like, even, even uh, like, this week, yeah, we're getting told that, like, Deborah Messing did an interview that um, NBC executives wanted her to have bigger boobs, like yeah, the oh. studio, the studios were still like, at for for the original run of the show. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, just, I read that the other day. And but I that kinda, really I, has that's unfortunate because so much of what makes the Grace character interesting is because of how relatable she is, right? Like she, Deborah Messing is extremely charming, and likable in this part. Like why? <laughs> like that's the thing that the, the network execs had to take away is that her boobs weren't big enough. Like what the heck? Yeah, it's like, there's still that. Ex- yeah, maybe network exec just like uh, that had to be like one jerk, you know, who's like up oh. the stereotype, or, or like, maybe yeah. like trying to like appeal like in their mind appeal more to the male demographic because obviously this is a show. Like listen, like some shows skew more female, some shows skew more male. Uh, like you know, statistically, whatever, like what that, you know, so sometimes you try to, I guess maybe like even it out a little bit, but you know, like let a show be what it is, you know, like this, if, if a show just happens to appeal to like one sex more than the other, then that's just what it happens to be. But yeah, that's like a very unfortunate thing that she had to put up with. But yeah, like, uh, you know, to go into the characters uh, or to go into the actors, you know, Eric McCormick has played gay men before. And yeah, which he, is interesting. I, I wonder what he feels about, like how he felt about that. Like he's a straight man who just happens to play gay men in, you know, like he's, I don't know. I, I, I wonder, like that's, that's interesting that, that that's where his career took him. Yeah. Cause I don't really see him in much. I no. like, you know, Sean Hayes is doing a podcast with Will Arnett and Jason Bateman and he's, and Megan Mullally has become this comedic legend and Tammy too. So yeah, Tammy too, but party down. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Gail from Bob's Burgers, my favorite. Yeah. Ex- like Megan Mullally is, it's funny that she, like both the, uh, the characters who kind of steal the show were not mm-hmm. that interested in doing it at first. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like it's it's funny how many of these actors needed convincing to come on board. I think it's a I think it's a risk, or it is a it is a risk, um, just because you don't know how it's gonna go, but you do have that well written script. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you exactly. Do have that the writing script the, that like, that's really that's really everything. Like you said, like you know, you you might have certain things about what you want to push boundaries with, but 
the script that's like square one like is the writing strong and yeah the answer is yes like and that's how i'm like if someone were to be like i ain't watching that show like that i ain't watching that queer show and then like all of a sudden they're just like flipping the channels and they just came on will and grace i bet it made them laugh i bet Mm -hmm. like it just has that like it just it has that well-written like because i've been you know i I've been hooked. I'm hooked. Like it just—it's nice to have on in the background in the morning with coffee. It's just—it makes me laugh. It, it's, it's actually—it it deserves the Emmys that it's gotten. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a joy to the show, which uh, I think is infectious. Yeah. So, uh, shall we start? Yeah, yeah. Take us to the pilot, Keith. start off with what i think is a like the best of all the pilots i think that have that we have reviewed so far this is probably the best opening that really kind of gets the the point tone right dynamic across is oh you think will and grace are on the phone with each other and Mm -hmm. we don't know anything about them uh are they in a couple they're kind of having a hey come over would you like to come over and uh, uh you know sexy talk and then you just find out that he like you want to watch ER, right? Right. That's and, there's a little bit of, a, of a, a reveal there, right? There's a couple of reveals actually in this very short scene. It, they do it, it, it like you you pick up on it, and like you're able to pick up that they they've been friends for like a while. I don't think you know since college right away, but uh, f- friends for a while. And uh, there's some synergy with the ER, like oh George Clooney's not my type. Like he doesn't uh he doesn't row your same boat. Like. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, they have that kind of dynamic where it's like, okay, it's time to get off the phone. Good night, Gracie, which I think would end each episode. Like I remember, I think that, that a- was in that was in the production. Like, right, right, yeah. It's, I've uh, heard that somewhere. Maybe that's where it is. It's like from like a capper, like you know, whatever production or studio. Um, and I also get a kick out of uh, the reference to another NBC show, right? Like watching ER, like that's probably on like the night before or something. But yeah, and then uh, you see uh, Danny right next to the, yes. like the unseen, like Danny is unimportant, but he is Grace's boyfriend. Like we get the back sex. of his head. Yes, that's basically it. And uh, you know, the opening credits, I would say, like you know, uh, Will and Grace never really had like iconic opening credits, but. If I'm not mistaken, I wrote down like it, I don't think it was that like cha cha opening. It was very more like a piano esque. Like, but the yeah. later ep- the next episode right away is very like dun dun like it's very cha cha esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it, this piano I've always thought was like this very um, I don't know this like a bit of like a sophisticated theme, right? And uh, I don't know it's it there's like an elegance to it. I think. Yeah. And uh, oh, by the way, like, I don't I wonder what led uh, Eric or just like someone saying, hey, like, we're going to give you a haircut. <laughs> oh, right. The, this oh, first... the pilot is where he does have those like like it, the flock. It's a longer do longer sure. do because he cuts it like very straight, like kind of like honestly, like you kind of have his haircut right now, <laughs> like oh, well, in the later, like second episode on. This but, is the uh, haircut we get in the gay man's handbook. You can't buy it on Amazon. No, you uh, get it in the mail. They just know. 
Uh, okay, so the next scene is uh, poker night or poker day, or but it's uh, poker, poker night, night with the boys. Poker night with the boys, and we meet Jack. We meet yes. Sean Hayes's Jack, and he's you know singing. He's singing uh, like uh, show tunes as he's playing the cards. But you also find out that you know they're very good friends, and Jack is going to be moving in with Will for a bit while he gets his uh, floor done. I think right. There's a uh, there was like a poker joke that I don't think I understood where. He like I, I guess they're playing like five card stud or something, and he he hands in all he has like four of the five cards in or something. He shows them their ace. I'm like, what? Like I I, I had a hard time keeping up with that joke. I missed it, uh, but I'm sure it was clever and kind of. Like, <laughs> if you know poker, uh, by the way, I have a Seinfeld alert. Which uh, guy? Which one of the their friends? It's Bum. the guy who later comes back for the twenty five thousand dollar pyramid game later on in the episode. I think okay. the character's name is Rob. Um, but basically, he is in the season eight episode, the Andrea Doria, and he plays a guy that Elaine dates briefly, but she breaks up with him because he is a bad breaker upper. So there is the Seinfeld alert. Play the bass. Boom, 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 boom. Wow, geez. like how that brain. Like there <laughs> is a uh, someone needs to draw that brain soon. You I know. Would- it's like, it's it's kind of like you know sometimes you see the drawings of like what people dedicate parts of their brain to like I think over fifty percent of mine is uh, pure Seinfeld, but uh, it's very obvious from the get go that Jack is gay and the characters let him know that yeah. he's gay and he's like I don't think you guys would know it's like yeah my uh, like blind and deaf people know that you're gay Jack right and, right uh, it, it... <laughs> Grace comes in. And she, like my, my dog knew you were gay, but mm-hmm. her and Danny just had a fight. And the worst thing, like it, it's, it just seems like a generic fight. But then he said, you sound just like your mother. And that's something that you never like you never say. And it's kind of funny that it comes back in a different way. That's kind of, that's also like a really screwed up thing to, to tell someone like I like I, I don't know. <laughs> that's I mean, it speaks to you know, the, the type of relationship that she's in. Right. Uh, that that would be something that gets brought up in an argument. Um, I, I do like the way that she says, "My dog knew you were gay." She says it almost in a very um, cavalier way, right? Like she's Exhausted. it's almost as if it's almost as if she's had that conversation with him before. Like we've been over this, Jack. Like everyone knows. Exhausted because like you know she she's just staring at the cards. She doesn't even look at him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's something that and it, it's something that I just find unique in this like. It's amazing. Uh, last week we covered Drew Carey, which I thought was trying to, like, it, it kind of had two plot lines at once, and you know it had to fit everything in it about itself. And you know, as we said, it kind of did it in a clunky way. This pilot kind of from the get go kind of has that uh, set up of the plot line of Will not liking Danny, and it's kind of like mm-hmm. a major thing to your best. Kind of in a way, your soulmate, or at least your soulmate best friend, uh, does not like your boyfriend, the man who you would like to marry, or you could like, you know, uh, uh, I was gonna say Deborah, but uh, Grace is thirty one. She's feeling like mm-hmm. alone, and uh, well, I mean that's that's a very tough situation for all parties involved, you know, like to be in the middle where you have someone you're with that your best friend doesn't like, to be that best friend who, you know feels like they can't express their opinion because that you know just creates more tension right like that 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 i think almost right away they quickly establish it 
I think there's like just one quick line that Will has in either this scene or the next about not liking Danny, but that quickly like you know raises some pretty high stakes. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, uh, emotional stakes. Yeah, exactly. And uh, <laughs> Will offers like, "Hey, stay with me for a while," and that's when like <laughs> Jack enters with like. I don't know if this par- this parrot's ever seen or not, but uh, no, you no, know, he no. comes in and he's sh- a very uh, physical humor. It's amazing that like I think it's just Sean Hayes. It's just like he is very good. If I remember, if I just remember anything, like this character could break out into like a show tune kind of dance. Very well, quickly. you know, we- he knows that he knows like steps. And stuff, and we brought up the word a few times uh, over the course of this '90s sitcom series of uh, theatrical, right? I don't think you oh, get more yeah. theatrical than Sean Hayes, who I believe has a background, or you know, even today, still he's performing on Broadway today. Uh, definitely, yeah, he's in a get... one-man show that's apparently doing very well. Like yeah. it's like, I, and I'm not surprised. I think it's, I think, uh, like one of the CBS Sunday mornings. I think the guy was like a, a piano prodigy. Like the guy is just like he was built for the stage and camera like mm-hmm. nothing was going to stop this guy from being uh some form of famous yeah and i think he has a very commanding presence about him which yes. um you get right away in this first episode and uh <laughs> it's like you know how i would be angry too if you like oh right. like i would be angry but then i would be like what time tomorrow eight yeah yeah and that's like the running bit for this episode uh i know I, I have to wonder like does he have more bags in the hallway or did he literally just bring his bird and a hat box? Cause he said like, I brought my whole life. I'm like, that's your whole life is a bird and a hat. Okay. All you need is a bird and a hat. Uh, so the next scene that we find out that will is a lawyer mm-hmm. and, uh, we meet his client who I found out is really kind of prominent throughout the first season. And then I think they're just like, we don't know what's to- Harlan. Harlan's okay. like this rich. How you doing, everybody? I don't understand your lifestyle, but I, you're as long as you're a good lawyer. It sounds like he's that type. It just goes by, to show that, like, yeah. you know, uh, some of these people, like, as long as you're making the money, they don't care who you're sleeping with. No, hundred like cash rules everything around you. Like it's mm-hmm. just hundred percent. But at least on a pilot level, like, yeah, some characters just don't. Like, you know, maybe they work for a few episodes to kind of at least set up some plot line and like you kind of squeeze out everything. But, yeah, this character, how long could this character last? But at least in this one, it just it really is just kind of set up the scene that Will is a lawyer and he sounds like a pretty damn good one as well. Yeah, he's successful. Yeah, I've always wondered this, though, with shows, at least on a sitcom level. It's just like if you make a guy a lawyer or like any kind of like a cop or anything, I always wonder the knowledge of like, like how much like does anyone know anything about being a lawyer? Because it it just seems like it's like okay, he's a lawyer, but they're just talking about due due diligence. Like they're just like oh, right, like that generic, that word sounds funny. Like due due generic diligence. law terms, right? Like generic he I, law terms, he yeah. works in the capacity, I guess, of uh, having corporate clients. I guess right. Um, you're right. Anytime that you have a, uh, a show that's not based on a workplace, right? Like it's based on just their lives, but you have to figure out what these characters do for a living anyway. That is where, you know, you might, it gets a little tricky, like finding out what they do for work. It sometimes can be something more generic, like a lawyer or something totally random. But, um, but yeah, I think that that works for this character in this setting, right? Like it, if, it, to have your own apartment in New York City, you need to be like a lawyer. 
he's a success. Like it, it's I don't know. It just it makes him a. Eric McCormick has a very good job at being like a, a straight man, a witty straight man. I, I, like Jason Bateman to me is like the best straight man. Yeah, yeah. But I would say Eric McCormick is up the like he's somewhere in that top ten just because they. Of course, Jack and Karen kind of steal the show in a lot of ways. Like they're the ones I think that won the awards. But mm-hmm. uh, Deborah Messing, like they have their funny, they have their characters, uh, their personality traits as well, their quirks. Yeah, I think he 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 feeds off of other people's energies pretty well. Jack, you you can't move in tonight. What? <laughs> Grace is very upset. I told her she could stay here tonight. You, you move in tomorrow. Okay, okay, that's interesting. You'd think maybe you could have told me this. Oh, I don't know. Before I packed up my entire life. <laughs> you don't understand. Grace has had a really... What's in the hat box? Your tiara? Look, <laughs> <laughs> Guapo, he made a funny. Shut up, Will. <laughs> now yeah, we get to know... Since we got to know what Will does, we now go over to what Grace does, and she is a uh, like a party planner or like a looks like some sort of event planning event decorator. Planning. Yeah, and it, I think in the beginning, Karen was originally was supposed to be Grace's friend, but the chemistry between Sean and Megan was so well that they had to find a way to make these two meet. So they made Karen uh, Grace's. Ex- uh, assistant and it kind of work it actually it works better because i think grace says i'm only she has such a great she's so rich rich beyond belief like like i don't know if we if we ever meet like her husband mm-hmm. um i know her maid becomes a, a main character or the, like at some uh rosa if right. um uh but it's like oh she has such a great kind clientele i'll make her my assistant and she kind of wants to get out more but she's not even collecting the checks she's like oh this is cute She's not cashing them in, right? It's like yeah. a weird, it's a cute thing she has in a box. Well, so they changed Karen's role in the show uh, it, because they wanted to be able to eventually pair her off with Jack. Is that what you're saying? They had such good chemistry and like, okay, Karen. Because they, uh, they don't have any scenes together in the pilot. Not in and, the pilot, but like they meet like in the second or third episode. I just, I would think that making Karen Grace's assistant would make it they would make Jack and Karen less likely to encounter each other because like if if um for example Karen is Grace's friend then like you know Jack is a friend of a friend but for Jack to be a friend uh or you know what I mean like if, if for Karen to be the assistant of a friend I think that would there would be less reason for them to be in the same situation. That's, I mean, obviously like I know the show enough that they are together a lot. I would just think like, that's not what that, that sounds counterintuitive to me to, to make that move for that purpose. If I'm not mistaken, the first time they meet is Jack is visiting grace at her workspace. And he's like, where, where right. That she? that's where it would have to be. Right. Yeah. Because like, where else would they meet? I'm only reading what notes I took down. I didn't make this up. It's your fault. It's, it's law, uh, LA law. Um, but no, it's. I think like Megan Mullally is, like, she, she does that voice so well that it's like, it's annoying, but it's not. It's like it, I can like. It's not that it's the character's supposed to be annoying, and the voice is very na- the voice is very nasally, but it's so, like, oh, I'm too rich for like. Yeah, I'm just here. You cute thing. Like, it's not southern. I'm, I know I'm probably yeah, yeah. It's hard thing, to replicate. But, I agree. Yeah. 
I, I agree that like I can see how it annoys the characters, but it's still done in a way that's palatable as a as an audience yeah. member that I actually like it. I don't I I do like her voice. I it's the craziest thing. Like it's so hard to find that middle ground where you need some like where a, a character is annoying to other characters but is still enjoyable to an audience that's so hard to accomplish that and she definitely has done it in many ways like also as tammy too right like tammy too is an insane character but every episode she's in is a riot uh and and a classic so you know um that's she's very talented obviously i'm happy she found the love of her life but uh like and nick's uh oh yeah is very funny his own way but i think megan mullally is like gold status now in the comedy world in my eye, like in my eye it's just like if i if you have a sh- comedy show one like you have to find a way to make megan Mullally at least like guest star in something that's she, it. find a way she's like very in control of her comedic prowess right um so that's it's impressive i know i'm late my driver had another bronchial incident it was disgusting i had to raise the partition but that's no excuse i should be punished i'm writing you a check (laughs) karen tell grace you should fire you grace tell will to redirect his anger at his mother where it belongs um so we move on to a scene that's just very good character development like it's like the scene itself like it says it gets across so much with just like once again it gets off so much in like what four minutes of a 22 minute show mm-hmm. they're out to dinner with friends the one from Seinfeld and his wife or girlfriend yeah. and we learn that Will broke up with uh, Michael and Michael seems to be doing bad until there's like oh I saw him he's doing great Will uh, Grace is such a good friend that she's like she's telling like you're better like Will yeah. is doing better. He's like she's she's a she's the best friend in that way. Right. She wants to build him up. Yes. And uh they play a thousand dollar pyramid and they play it in such a they are in their wavelengths are so aligned that they get a, get it right. Every mm-hmm. which one. Like things you lean on. Uh, like like things that teeth are yellow. Like they just they know each other so well. They've been friends since college. Yeah, I mean, some of the clues are personal, like insider information between yeah. the two of them, right? Like things, you know, like uh, your your parents' marriage, things that are dead, right? Like that's uh, taking the level. That's taking that game to a way deeper level of friendship than the uh, you know that most people probably play. But uh, again, that's like the point of them playing this game. And uh, briefly, Jack comes back in, uh, and I just wrote that uh, Jack is a force. Mm-hmm. Same way, like, oh, you know, I need to – Grace is staying for a couple of days. I think it's just like, okay, we'll postpone it till tomorrow. Ha, huh, I'm leaving. What time? Eight. Right. But the, a, this show uh, has running gags throughout the series, right? I feel like this is a, a running gag within the episode, but, uh, you know, I think that's – because it's such a character-based comedy, that I imagine there's tons of running gags within episodes and throughout the series. Very much so, I think. Uh, and But the – the big point of the episode not only is the character development, but we find out that Grace is going to break up with Danny. Mm. And uh, literally, the next scene is, "Hey, did you break up with Danny?" "Uh, no, he proposed." And, Dramatic uh, pause. Yeah, I think that's actually a very interesting way for the show to go, because especially with where we go next. Um, yeah, Grace's office. Yeah, and, 
she's head over heels. Like this, she's like, this is the one. She's trying to uh, trick herself into thinking that Danny's the one. Right, right. But the reason why I remember the scene is because I have another Seinfeld alert. <laughs> this one is even more of a deep cut. <laughs> this is this is where I realized, like, okay, I need to stop watching this show for a while. The delivery guy. The guy who delivers the flowers. Fuck you. <laughs> he plays a delivery for a Chinese restaurant in the season eight Seinfeld episode, The Pothole, from a restaurant that refuses to deliver to Elaine because she's out of the, the zone or something. Uh, that's my another Seinfeld alert. Play the bass. Fuck you. Oh, my God. <laughs> this oh, is my why I'm, God. This is why me and our friend Bobby are undefeated at Seinfeld trivia. Bobby, if you're listening, don't encourage any more of this. Oh my god, I can only play one bass per episode. That, oh okay, god. that's no, a fair. I, from that one, no, no I'll, that's I'll, a good I'll, rule. I'll... That's a good rule. One Seinfeld bass per episode from now on, because you're right. That like, why call out the delivery guy? But I feel like I like to flex my muscle. A little I think bit. I hear it in the background though, so you you can't. St- I'm the one who puts in the sound effects there. Uh, okay, but, fair uh, enough. So the the next scene. Jack has moved in. They're having dinner. And what I like about this is their dynamic is like, you're my best friend, but this, uh, this, uh, turkey's too dry type. Mm-hmm. It's very, uh, like Jack is a sassy guy. He's kind of a bitch. Kind of a bitch. Uh, and, but the one thing that I like really about the scene is like, will at least gets to like, I'm scared to tell grace about why she shouldn't marry Danny. And Danny's not the right one. Uh, and, because he lost his brother that way and it's mm. kind of you know i don't we're only a television pilot we can like it's kind of it sucks that people cut each other out of out of their lives just like your best friends like i'm not really sure you should marry her and then you do end up marrying this person and they don't like you and they cut out your best i don't know it just there's well, something so immature about that whole thing well to, uh, to, to me, be cut out by happens. your to, I, it definitely happens, and like to be cut up by your brother, right? He says this happened with his brother, yeah. but you would think that, you know, that there, there's a stronger tie there just by blood that yeah. you'd have to work that out eventually. So, you know, I again, that definitely happens too, and so I could see why, you know, to, to lose a friend is you know a little easier than losing a, a brother. So, um, yeah, again, the raising the emotional stakes to an even greater degree, and the. Uh... Just looking at all the, the – at least the great thing. Like I don't know. They established a brother. I The one thing I didn't check is if his brother actually makes an appearance. Uh, but the one thing about having four main casts is that allows for eight guest star parents and just like all these dating guest stars. Like I think Alec Baldwin gave a great performance. I think she ends up marrying Harry Connick Jr. I know like the, the any sibling relationships. I think John Cleese – uh, ends up marrying Karen like like this oh. show really utilizes guest stars very well well I, I definitely I think became um prestige for its time right like it's that's a good not, way, yeah it's not just a network sitcom right I, I it did blow up in popularity but yeah you know, like you said it was a critical darling and that also is something that's going to attract a lot of big names uh, I love you know, that it came back and it kind of did pretty well. <laughs> I think, yeah, right? like it yeah, it did okay. And when it came back in 2017, I think it ran for at least three seasons. Three that or four ain't seasons. bad, right? For, for a revival, as far as yeah, there were plenty of revivals that were like you know they came and they went just as quickly. So, um, so yeah, that's uh, yeah, that that's my memory of the show, right? Is having that that echelons of um of acclaim. So, uh, you know. We cut to Will apart, uh, Will's apartment later, 
and Grace tells him that she is going to marry this guy, marry Danny. And Will, of course, is acting all excited. And once again, they are best friends for 20 years. I know when you're lying to me. Mm -hmm. That's what I really like. It kind of cuts through, at least on a sitcom, because you only have 22 minutes. It helps cut through any of the bullshit. Or it's, it cut, makes it so believable that, yes, the red flags. She's missing the red flags. Will confesses and does say, like, I don't like this guy. He doesn't know you. He's not the one. And she says, go to hell. She leaves. Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Very dramatic. Uh, yeah, know, no, it, it actually was like, oh, I was kind of shocked that this was all in the pilot and we're like still maintaining a very 22, a tight 22. Like it's, it's it, I think there's a lot happening in this first episode. There's a lot of scenes, right? There's a lot of quick scenes. I think, it, it, I mean, not that it feels rushed, but. No, I'm, the pacing is excellent. It is. um. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot that goes on for it feels longer than just a half hour show basically. Yeah. Uh, so we get a little bit of uh, the next scene. We're back at Grace's office, and uh, there's a funny scene with you know Megan. I I don't even know if we she has kids. Like I'm guessing. I have no idea if they continue that throughout the show. But she's talking to her Spanish nanny. She doesn't speak any Spanish. Go to Fao Swartzo, and uh, a nice little reveal too that Will speaks a bit of Spanish. Yeah. And uh, Will, she she tells Will that she's at City Hall and uh, she definitely is like, oh, this pills for me. Doesn't matter what. Like this pill helps calm the nerves uh, having with a glass of Chardonnay. Uh, and, you know, there's nothing. Nothing beats an NBC pilot than having someone pop up in a wedding dress. I, I was hoping you would call that out back to, uh, you know, from our friends discussion. Yeah, that's uh, it's a nice little full circle moment as as this is the last show we talk about in this genre for now but uh but yeah that's it's you know it's a very eye-catching image and uh i must say deborah messing looks beautiful like holy crap Mm -hmm. like i uh and uh she has a uh believable enough and that's why it's like a believable enough argument with will saying like i'm i'm alone and she's kind of blaming him for like you put these thoughts in my head. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be alone because of you. And he's just like, my God, I've never felt alone. I'm like, oh God, that's such such a good answer, such a good mm-hmm. answer. And <laughs> a really good ending way to end a scene like that is you have Karen there going like, well, this is this is awkward. Like, literally, like I talking to herself. How do you end a scene like that? You're like, that's like. You know, we got to bring the comedy back and like always use uh, Jack or Megan Mullally. Yeah, they, they definitely provide a lot of much needed levity. Yeah. Grace, I think it's time for a couple of blue bippies. <laughs> I don't want any pills. They're not for you, honey. They're for me. <laughs> you know, marriage is what? Marriage is. Marriage is. Okay, what the hell? That's all you need to. Grace? Well, she's gone. (laughs) She's gone, and I'm sitting here talking to myself like a crazy person. (laughs) Oh, my God, listen to me. I'm still doing it. We end back at Will's office. She comes in. She wants to apologize. Her veil gets caught on the door, which kind of helps with the tension. Nice moment. And uh, she recounts the moment she knew that Danny wasn't the right one. Mm -hmm. And uh, Will gives her some actually, like, really good. Good, solid advice that I still like kind of I, I 
I believed this before I even watched this episode. It's just like, like this is just a chapter in your life right now, and you're in the middle of your book, and like he's like right around the corner. Like stuff that other sitcoms, like How I Met Your Mother, they will utilize stuff like this. But I think, I don't know, Eric McCormick's very good at, I don't know, it, it just sold me. This yeah. whole pilot sold me, but that scene is just like, you're in the middle. You're going to find this guy. And uh, they leave to get a drink. And at this bar, it's kind of the tag, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, th- they assume Will is uh, uh, the, the husband-to-be. and Right, right. She's she still wearing that wedding dress. She makes a speech about him. And you kind of – it's kind of interesting. Like, they are soulmates. I, I think you could have many soulmates in life, but like this is a definite like these people met and they are they know each other inside out. And that will lead to some great times and some fights throughout the nine seasons of the show. Yeah. And uh, best way to end this best way to end a show like this. They kiss. And I even wrote like nothing, anything mm-hmm. like like it, it, it. Yes, two of the characters are gay, but it's not about them being gay. It's just like that is just who they are and that i think like whether um i just think that's what the show does very well like it just kind of opens the door a little bit for america to see what like hey your lawyer could like he could like yeah yeah, it's not you know again it's it's that's why i mentioned before with the little character over the jack character you know it's it's, um there's more people like that than you think it does Uh, empathy very well mm -hmm. but it's uh i such a solid pilot yeah yeah i think definitely tonally as well um there's yeah, it's one of those shows that yeah they have their very special episodes right they have their uh their very much dramatic moments throughout uh there's a lot of plot right these is a very plot heavy show not just within like a first episode but overarching plots as well right you get a lot of um you know a lot of eras of, of the story so yeah, it's it's one of those where maybe you don't watch it as casually as your typical sitcom, you know, like maybe you could, right? If, if at least if you know it well enough, you could put on any episode. But there's something to be said about investment in in the arcs. I'm sure, like the like this, you know, this came out like '98, so at some point this was on. This had to be at the same like prime time night as Friends, like that. Thursday yeah. or Wednesday, whatever night that it was on, like that must have been some just great like water cooler must see TV because like you're back to back like oh my god like it's very good it's a very well written show and I never like I never like oh it's a I was just like I was eight when it came out I was in high school it's just I mm-hmm. like I I didn't know what the show was really about like and I'm like and maybe like I'm not watching this it's it's a it's it's not my kind of comedy. My comedy, of course, like ended up being more of The Office when that came out. But mm-hmm. I, at least, the benefit of having a po- uh, podcast like this is like if you don't watch something now, or if you don't discover something now, you'll discover it eventually. And I'm very happy to have discovered a show like this. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. You mentioned like The Office. You know, like I think certainly, um, I, I as well I was usually more drawn to more cynical comedies or drier comedies. Right. And certainly Will and Grace is a show that maybe is based in more sentimental comedy. Right. It's character based. You know, the, the characters, um, you know, like they maybe zing each other or whatever. Like they, there's maybe certain like uh, jabs that they throw at each other. But they for the fight most part, as friends do. 
it's a very sweet comedy, right? It's maybe you can argue a little cheesy at times, but there's definitely um, a certain heart to it. It's not dry, right? It's a sweet comedy, right? You compare comedies to wines in that degree, right? <laughs> maybe not everyone likes a dry, uh, a, an overly sweet wine, but maybe there is one that you might enjoy. And so – It's like a Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's a or... – there's more richness to it, right? It's not just yeah. all sweet. There is like actual substance there. It's not like, you know, like um, what's it? What's like a, those after dinner wines? It's not like a a port. I don't know. I don't oh, know. Oh uh, yeah, oh uh, yeah. It's a por- uh, port. Yeah, right. Sherry, like sherry. Like, it's like, like overly sweet. Yeah, no, it's it's not well, that. It, true. If, if this came on, like if this was like the last show of that uh that prime time slot, yeah, I'm sure. Like yeah, the Office or Friends were like the main course, and then you end your night with a little little drink of sherry. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, I could see this being on the same lineup as uh, a friend's. I don't know necessarily. Yeah, it only had like maybe a year overlap with um, a couple seasons overlap Seinf- with, with uh, uh, I was going to say The Office. I don't see those two shows being back to back. But certainly this and Friends definitely seems like they would belong in the same lineup. Yeah, no, it's uh, I well, we kind of basically watched like if we were in like the 1910s, I don't know. Like, stay with me, America. This 1910s. Is, this is yeah, stay with me. I have a metaphor. If we were like, we're walking the streets of like Brooklyn or downtown, like Broadway, 1910s, and there's like, we just saw eight plays. Hmm. And like, I must say, like, th- some of them were better than others, at least for like, would you go back and see what this next group comedy troupe? of vaudevillian actors do next and like yeah i would say the the will and grace is just like yeah i'll, I'll pay a nickel to see what the what the next episode is a nickel I th- that's a it, month worth of groceries <laughs> the metaphor I, I still think the metaphor makes sense but it worked better when it's just like yeah we basically watched eight plays like it, yeah. like they're like it's especially and, this sitcom format live audience right like north fourth wall that's very very much, live too like it yeah. wasn't except except for the nanny uh, but it's it was interesting. But yeah, exactly. Just because the audience, uh, how the audience was filmed, but still very much like they all have somewhat of a theatrical nature to them, you know, to a degree, uh, some more than others. Uh, but you know, with with you know, before we wrap up this one, just some other things. You know, we've obviously praised this this particular pilot, and yeah, there's we discovered it. We knew I think going into it, right? We knew enough about the show that it was a highly acclaimed show, and now we know why. Uh, and I, I also like that the show, the hook of the show is not that the main character is gay, right? Because first of all, that's not a hook. That's just an aspect of the character. But, the, but I'm sure maybe like the execs maybe wanted to market it that way. But what it's really is the hook of the show is the relationship, this like, you know, um, close friendship between a man and a woman that cannot be sexual because of the man being gay. It's like, Yes. Basically, a way to preserve the purity of the friendship without ever, you know, delving into that becoming a romance. Uh, but then also that leaves it open to having that representation. And I, I know that the show eventually also uh, dives a little more into like gay culture at the time. Like you know, like they have gay friends. There's times where I believe there's like an episode where Jack turns thirty, and he's you know the, you get a little more insight into like a gay man's lifestyle. Um, you know, out, outside of the bedroom um, in, in that time period. 
it's kind of funny that I, I would say that uh, Will is more of a uh, you know conservative ish, like at least conservative, not in politics, but like my like you know is a lawyer, like is looking for kind of like that one and only relationship. At least the sense that you get opposite Jack, who's like, oh, I'm, uh, you know, uh, I will always remember uh, that pirate guy or like uh, that one. They're talking about the date. He's like, I'll always remember you, the Jewish pirate or something. Oh, he like says that. Shalom, right? Shalom, yeah. yeah. It's like it's very uh, more liberal with their they all the characters are at di- like if you were to do like a character draft, they're all at different in the four corners, and mm-hmm. that's why they well even another you know there there is actually um I wanted to mention this before yeah they they never really I don't think at least not uh, that I can remember talk too much about the nitty gritty of like you know, of the, you know, the, the Jack or Will's life in the bedroom, like, you know, preferences and whatnot. But there is a very subtle uh, allusion to that. When they are playing the $25,000 pyramid, uh, Will said, or Grace says to Will, like, oh, you give and I receive. And he says, just as God intended. Like, a little bit of, um, of like, uh, you know, innuendo there that, you know, Will is, uh, is a top maybe, you know, just to say like, just to throw that in there for it's, anyone who might know what that means. Oh, I'm sure there's a lot of those kind of uh, like inside baseball jokes, but it's, it's a good way to, you know, it's funny. People didn't know Liberace was gay. Like in, right, like, right. Like, yeah. you know, in hindsight of like, of course, but people did not know. So, but it was a nice way to introduce, like, I don't even have to look it up. I bet I bet, and this is just coming from pure bet, that Cher was a guest star. Like I, like it, just like who are the gay icons, right? Uh, f- at the time, or like even now, like. But I, like, I'm sure Barbara, uh, or like it's just it kind of introduced just like uh, a gateway, a gateway, <laughs> gateway into gay, a gateway into gay culture, mm-hmm. like yeah. it, it, and just like a. a uh, teaspoons that uh the everyday the modern 98 american can swallow mm-hmm. yeah i mean this was still this was at a time <laughs> pun intended yeah, uh, this yeah, is, yeah. <laughs> uh i this realized is... as soon as i said it, i'm like if you didn't say anything <laughs> as soon as i came out of my mouth yeah <laughs> I, that was um it's a time to where like yeah there there is this is a turning point right the late 90s 2000s where yeah, you start to maybe get over the hump where now maybe you go from like uh, you're getting closer to a majority of Americans, maybe a slim majority, being more accepting of, you know, gay culture and gay rights. And, you know, um, there's there's like less demonization. Right. There's still there's still that going on, by all means. Uh, but, yeah, it's things are getting better uh, at the time, for sure. Like there's progress being made. And the show is maybe um, kind of like. Uh, maybe like a litmus test for that, right? I, I don't know if that's the right term, but you know what I mean? It's kind of like you you maybe like you, you put the show out there. It's like, okay, like, yeah, will this catch on? Are we at a place in time in America where this can be a viable show? And it turned out it was. So, you know, that's, it, it, it's kind of like almost a snapshot of what you could sell in terms of, um, to, to the general broad American audience in terms of like, you know, um, investing in a story of you know of of a gay man, yeah. and like I think 
the uh, the average American knows, and and I'm not like a fan of this in writing in general, but like I think the average American knows when they're being preached at. Yes. And uh, I, I didn't at least the episodes that I've watched, and uh, granted, it's I'm I'm like only in the first season, couple episodes. It's just showing these people's lives. Like it's it's not preaching. It's not saying accept me. It's not doing. And and, and granted, I don't think a show like I don't think they would even the network would allow that, but it's not. It's just showing these people trying to live their lives in their love yeah, lives. Yeah, because like, like you it, know, it, like and it it's just it's very empathetic storytelling. Yeah, because like again, look at Will. You know, he's a successful lawyer, like we said. You know, has this nice apartment, has this close friendship. You know, he just happens. Yeah, you know, it's like an old kind of way of saying it, but he just happens to be gay, right? It doesn't define him, uh, but it's just an aspect of who he is, and that's maybe why I am a little bit on the fence about the Jack character. At least I feel like he's a little more defined by his sexuality. Uh, than the Will character is. But uh, again, like if I were to really watch the show more closely, I'm sure that, you know, you learn more about him and you, you obviously get to know him outside more of his um, of his sexual orientation. But um, but yeah, you know, maybe too, I, I need to get this a little more of a shot too because I, part of me didn't want to like it in a way. I don't know, like part of me when I was going into this, I'm like, this is a bit over the top. Uh, these, you know, these... This is a little outdated, the representation, but again, it's like this is, you know, this is 1998. I have to keep reminding myself that. I'm kind of like, not like shocked, like, oh my God, how could I like this? But I'm kind of like just shocked that like, I'm so like, I'm just a sucker for good writing. Yeah, uh, and, I think and, that's like, the thing you know too. Like when you see it, like, you know, when you see it. I, I, I totally agree. I, I think too, like I, I am like a cynical person at heart and I do always want to go back to my drier humors, but you know, I got to appreciate that. Yeah. You know, again, like people were very attached to the show. I, and it might be the opposite of the sort of tone that I like to get in my comedies, but it works. It, it does work. And so, um, you know, I don't know if I'll try to think, you know, this is now the question again, right? Uh, we're, we're, Say like we know nothing except this first episode. We don't know what the show's gonna be. Would we keep watching just based on this first episode? I'm not. Mm. Oh god, that's a good question because I have like caveats. I have caveats. I would watch it in like. Uh, I would watch it with like other shows. Yeah, yeah. I, I would, would watch, watch it like the shows, but I would be like, you know what? This is. Uh. Like I said, like okay, I could go off and watch Friends by myself, but I was like, oh, I would watch like, like, give me two hours at the end of the night, like, and I'll watch like an uh, episode of this, episode of this, episode. Well, of this, yeah, episode if this, of this if this and, comes and on, one of them will be Will and Grace. If this comes on, like you know, if you're still, you know, pre-streaming, this is like you're watching things in lineup still. Uh, if this comes on after Friends, okay, I'll keep watching. I'll, uh, the interesting thing that I, and maybe it's just me, but I. You know, we some shows are timeless, at least like with the shows that we covered, some shows kind of go beyond the time that they were in Seinfeld Friends. Mm -hmm. uh, some some of them kind of stay within the time that they're in. I'm not saying that the, right. like that's good or bad. Do you I think what this show, which is which is it's it? reflective of the time? But yes. damn, does it have legs? Damn, does it have legs? Like it, yep. it it's I think enough that it was kind of successful like let's say if i do watch like if i do get hooked into the rabbit hole that is will and grace i don't know if i'll watch like the v revival but the, the fact that the revival did kind of 
is it the best revival? Like, at least, like, successful? Who, like, there was enough interest a, in it, right? Yeah, like, there, like they, I, enough fans renewed. came back for it. Um, no, but and, how you know, many times do we roll our eyes like, oh, God, like, Murphy Brown's coming back. Frazier's right. coming back. Like, like leave like, these oh, shows like, alone, right? Like, it's uh, – this one actually had legs, and it's like, yes, uh, I, I, the writing was good for at least, like, you yeah. know, how long can you go? But I, I don't know. I – I'll say this too. Um, even if I don't really go out of my way for this show, I'm glad it was successful because, you know, it was, I think it was an important moment uh, in media as a culture and a turning point, um, or at least like part of multiple things that led to a turning point. You know what I mean? Like that this allowed for so many other things afterwards. So, you know, uh, and <clears throat> I think when we go back to the 90s sitcoms, we should talk about Ellen as well because, you know, as much as, that show unfortunately de- uh, declined in viewership after the coming out of that character. I think it was still very important as well, and uh, oh, uh, it's unfortunate I, I, that that did yeah. not maintain its success after after that big moment. So um, I did yeah. watch that episode like God years ago, just like to just see like how like it is an important piece of television. Like, but mm. damn, is it the best comedic way to come out? Like I think Laura, like no, not that I think. Like Laura Dern was like her friend from college, I think, and she, they're talking, and all of a sudden she leans into the microphone and says, "I'm gay," and mm-hmm. that's just like, I don't know. I think that's just uh, that's just very well written comedic uh, time. Right. Uh, I remember the I've seen that clip. Or, I don't want to say gimmick. Yeah. I, I, I've seen that clip, right? I haven't seen that whole episode. I decided to watch it one day just out of pure curiosity. But I know I like the audience does go wild at that moment, right? It's like this big moment. Um, so, yeah, so that's another one. Like I said, we'll we'll eventually get back to the 90s sitcoms. Um, but, yeah, were there any other, any other patterns that we noticed throughout all these shows, right? Like I think one of the things that we noticed – for any of the fish out of water shows we discussed was, you know, they all have a party at one point just to further showcase how uh, the main character or characters are, are new to their environment. But uh, yeah, was there any other patterns maybe we noticed uh, for, you know, that this show also might've, might've done. If you're an NBC pilot, most likely you were directed by James Burroughs. Yeah. A a woman might pop up in a wedding dress. Uh, Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, you might get like a character who's like a first season character, right? Like you might like, yeah. yeah they that's that's something. It's like okay, maybe um we'll start introducing like a first season only arc. Yeah, like it, like they find out they're still figuring out like what like how much juice they could squeeze out of this character. If this character is a really does this character fit in the show? Um. It's a it's some of the fish out of water ones I think tended to have the better uh, or not better but they kind of knew themselves like like it's they had the easier plot to follow as opposed to establishing because what is the the game what is the paradigm shift in those like in like friends except maybe Rachel coming in right um, and some of the if it's not a fish out of water you need maybe a little more of a of a narrative like you need maybe like something else to really drive the story so you know where to go and what the audience can expect. Uh, so like in this Will and Grace one, like you're really going to be testing the strength of the friendship. And that's what you do in the first episode. And now like, okay, like Grace is going to 
now like she's gonna be single she's gonna be dating guys will's gonna have his opinion on those guys uh he's also gonna be dating guys <laughs> and grace will have opinions on on them as well but uh but yeah the friendship it's like the strength of that friendship you'll see uh, the roller coaster of of those um highs and lows we'll notice this with other shows but at least with the first eight uh just sitcoms that we covered it's amazing what shows knew themselves right off the bat some shows still had a lot of work working out like i'm looking mm -hmm. at you seinfeld yeah uh like they just needed time to find themselves uh some beloved shows didn't really have a good first pilot and i'm sure we'll find some that uh some that didn't last as long that have a great pilot but uh it's a pilot i a pilot is still so important because you at least have to put one foot in the ground to figure out what kind of show what kind of story what kind of characters you're going to tell yeah you still need some essence of what it will be yeah even if you don't know right away like you mentioned some of these other shows there still needs to be some seed there to yeah. to hold on to from both uh, an audience point of view and also like as a network because you know from a writing from all from all cylinders really uh so there you have it guys we uh we wrapped up our first series here on Take Us to the Pilot. So, yeah, a little preview of what's to come uh, moving forward. So, uh, at the time that we're releasing these, uh, we're going to, you know, ideally schedule it. So, this this Will and Grace episode will come out at the end of September, which means that our next four episodes would be released in October, the month of Halloween. So, I think it would make sense if we talk about a spooky genre. There's a few to choose from. But uh, I think the one that at least came to us the most was uh, that of vampires. There's quite a few of them, right? And so I think for the next four weeks, uh, in honor of Halloween, we'll be discussing vampire shows. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Starting with Sesame Street. Uh, no. Um, there's one in particular, I think, from the 90s that still has a big cult following. I think just that alone, you could probably guess what the show is. Uh, but next week, we'll be... Uh, taking on Buffy the Vampire Slayer to kick off our uh, month on vampires. Never seen it. Never seen an episode. Wow. Uh, you know what? Like that show, like er Eric has some friends. Uh, actually, my sister too. Huge Buffy fans. They still watch it now. So, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe oh, we'll... I met Buffy fans, but I've just never seen it. Well, maybe maybe I'm we'll excited. join them. Yeah, this, this might be one yeah, that we actually do uh, dive into more afterwards. We'll see. We'll have to find out. Uh, so, uh, guys, thanks for, for sticking with us. And we should move on to the next chapter of Take Us to the Pilot. Follow us on Instagram and X, formerly Twitter at take us to the pilot that's take us to the pilot with the number two attention passengers we've now reached our destination we hope you enjoyed the flight and have a nice day